The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. I invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, you can lift your hand. Uh, One of our ushers will be happy to come around and bring you one. Uh, Every morning when I wake up, I quote Philippians 1, 18 to 26 to myself. This is the text that we were in last week, the text we're going to be in again this morning. And I quote this to myself every morning. It, it simply says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Apostle Paul penned these words while he was imprisoned in Rome. And you can tell from what he says right here that he doesn't know what the future holds for him. Like, will he live and be released, or, or will he be condemned and executed? He doesn't know. And, and as he stares down that uncertain future, he still proclaims with absolute certainty, I will rejoice. I, th- this is one of the reasons I quote this passage to myself Every morning, every morning as I stare down another day and I've got no idea what the future is going to bring, I want to dare to proclaim along with Paul, I will rejoice. No matter what comes, no matter what the future holds, I will have joy. Joy will win. I believe that the book of Philippians shows us that this, this is the distinguishing mark of God's people. We have an inextinguishable joy. Like in a world that, that is totally dependent upon surrounding circumstances for its joy. In, in a world where people's joy rides the roller coaster of panic and outrage. In that world, we Christians, we should be distinct in that we are not a people who panic. We should be distinct. We're not a people who panic. We're not a people who panic for our joy is not rooted in our ever-changing circumstances. No, our joy is rooted in the never-changing Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We should be distinct in that we are not a people given to outrage. No, because we're not given to outrage because everything feels out of control. No, we are a people given to praise of the one who controls all things. Our joy is in him. Shades, what, what makes us distinct right now in our culture, in our country, what makes us distinct is that even in the face of a future we cannot see, we know this much is guaranteed. Joy wins. How? How? That's what the Apostle Paul unpacks 
in this passage. And we began to unpack it with him last week. And, and at, the heart, at, at, at the heart of how joy wins, last week we saw this simple truth. If Jesus is our joy, then when Jesus is glorified, our joy is magnified. Do you see that? Like my kids, if, if you pray, if you come to me because my kids did something good and you're praising them to me, like, like that amplifies my joy. If my kids are glorified, my joy is magnified. And we're saying if Jesus is our joy, then when Jesus is glorified, our joy is magnified. And Paul says Jesus will be glorified no matter what. So joy wins. Do you see how Paul's logic works? Like no matter, like for him personally, his logic is working this way. No matter what my future holds, he says, like no matter whether I live or whether I die, Christ will be glorified. And Christ glorified is my joy. So joy wins. It's, it's like Paul is, is pulling off a, a coin flip trick that I do with my kids. Like if I'm ever trying to win a, a coin toss with my kids, I simply I take out my quarter, I flip it in the air, and I say, heads I win, tails you lose. Some of you, that's going to take a moment for you to get right there. But, but that's, that's what Paul is doing, but he's doing it with a coin labeled life and death. Life, I win. Death, you lose. Because Jesus will be glorified either way. How? How, Paul? He answered that question for us last week in verse 21. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How's joy going to win whether he lives or dies? Like Paul, how will joy win if you live? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. I will live treasuring Jesus more than anything else in life. Joy wins by treasuring Christ most in life. That's the first truth we saw last week. Do you see how that glorifies Christ? When you treasure him most in life, when you show that he is a greater treasure than anything life could ever give you, that displays his glory. And if Jesus is glorified, our joy is magnified. Joy wins. That's how joy wins if Paul lives. And, and Paul says, how? How will joy win if I die? Paul says, to die is gain. It's gain because it, it puts me in the direct presence of Jesus and I get him fully and finally as my joy forever. I treasure Christ more than life itself. That's the second truth we saw last week. Joy wins by treasuring Christ more than life. Do you see how that glorifies Christ? When you treasure him more than life, when, when you show the world that he is greater He's a greater treasure than anything death could ever take from you. When you do that, that displays his glory. And if Jesus is glorified, then our joy is magnified. Joy wins. Paul is saying, Philippi, shades, here is how joy wins. Treasure Christ most in life and treasure him more than life. To that, I say, awesome, Paul. How am I going to do that? Like, that's where we ended last week. And if you're like me, you left still asking Paul how. Paul, you're telling me, 
Joy wins by me treasuring Christ most in life and more than life. That's awesome. How in the world am I supposed to do that, Paul? Like, like Paul, I, I'm doing good just to get out of bed each day and parent five children. Holly and I totally consider it success if we end the day with five kids. It doesn't even have to be the same five kids. We're just responsible for five children. That's how we see it anyway. Like, Paul, I'm doing good just to, just to make it through each day. How in the world am I supposed to find the strength to say to live is Christ and to die is gain? How, how's Paul able to do this? Like when I look at his situation and the opposition he's facing from outside the church, the affliction he's facing from inside the church, how can he do this? Is he like some kind of super Christian? Because Paul, the only person that's ever been able to talk this way, he... He seems to talk as if he assumes all Christians should have this attitude. All Christians should be able to say to live as Christ and to die as gain. How is he able to? How's Philippi supposed to do this? I mean, they're facing opposition and affliction just like Paul. How is joy supposed to win like this in Paul, in Philippi, in you, in me? This is why. We are back in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 to 26 this morning. Because, Shades, there is one more truth here we have got to see. Because it empowers everything. Everything we've talked about so far. There's one more truth that will empower it all. It empowers us to treasure Christ most in life, and it empowers us to treasure Christ more than life. It empowers the joy that wins. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you this truth in a sentence, and then we're going to unpack it and apply it. So here it is, in a sentence, joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through God's people. I know it's a long sentence. I'll repeat it. We're going to go over it several times. Joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through God's people. This truth, that this is the banner that Paul flies over this entire passage. Like He starts with it, and he ends with it. it. It literally surrounds the truth that we have seen. It undergirds them. It empowers everything about how joy wins. Joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through God's people. Paul's going to make this really clear right from the very beginning of the passage. See, see it with me. Philippians 1, let's start in verse 18. Paul says, yes, and I will into the future. I will rejoice. Joy will win. How do you know that, Paul? Paul says, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says, i I know that I will rejoice. I know that joy will win because something is going to be provided to me. What's going to be provided to Paul? The help of the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus, that's just another title for the Holy Spirit because Jesus is the one who promised to send him. Uh, Jesus made promises like that in John chapter 15 and verse 26. Jesus says, when the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to help. He, 
He calls him right here in John 15, the, the helper. He's going to come and he's going to help you, my followers. He's going to help. How? How is the Spirit going to help? Well, in John 15, 26, Jesus just pointed out at least one way he's going to help. He said, when the Spirit comes, he will bear witness about me. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, and he will help you, empower you to bear witness about me. Is that not the very thing Paul is describing in Philippians chapter 1? Paul says, I know that I'm going to rejoice. I know that joy will win because help Power is going to be provided to me by the Holy Spirit to bear witness about Christ in life or in death. That's what he means when he says, this will turn out for my deliverance. He means I'm going to be able to bear witness to Christ in life or in death. When he says the Spirit's help is going to, it's going to empower me, it's going to help me to, so that this turns out for my deliverance, he, he doesn't mean the Spirit's help is going to to help him get delivered from his imprisonment. We talked about that a lot last week. No, what this word delivered means is that he is going to be delivered from ever being ashamed of Christ. Like no matter what happens, no matter if he faces release and life, no matter if he faces condemnation and death, he is going to be empowered to glorify Christ. That's what he says himself in verses 20 and 21. Here's what spirit-empowered deliverance looks like to Paul. He says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored, glorified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says, Live or die, the Spirit is going to empower me to glorify Jesus. And when Jesus is glorified, my joy is magnified. Joy wins. How does joy win? By the help or by the Spirit empowering me to treasure Christ most in life and more than life. Shades, Shades you cannot treasure Christ most in life or more than life on your own. Philippi can't do it on their own. Paul is telling us right here that he can't do it on his own. He's not a super Christian. He's saying, what's going to turn out for my deliverance? What's going to empower me to treasure Christ, whether I live or whether I die? It's the help. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We can only treasure Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shades. Awesome. Great. What does that look like like practically because because here's the deal like if i'm honest shades if i'm honest talking about doing things in the spirit's power can sound like a real christian cliche i mean i i, I grew up as a pastor's kid i i'm very familiar with christian cliches and this is this is one of them i remember as a young believer i would get so frustrated when other people would answer my questions this way like for instance if if i asked how am i supposed to to, to pray and someone said well in the spirit's power great that's helpful or if i asked how do i fight sin they'd say in the spirit's power i'm like okay 
Or how do I live for Christ? They say in the Spirit's power. And, you know, by this point, I'm going, okay, all right, I'm, I'm going to rearrange the way I'm asking this question. Okay, how do I do all of that in the Spirit's power? Well, Jonathan, you do all in the Spirit's power by the Spirit's power. Ah, my brain's about to explode, right? Like, we just get so frustrated. And, and here's the deal, like, it's true, the whole Christian life is to be lived in the power of the Spirit, but we can turn that into such a cliche, such a, a pat answer, instead of doing the hard work of digging into Scripture, which actually shows us how to live by the Spirit's power. Scripture shows us how to do that. And, and Paul is showing us right here the how. He's showing us how the Spirit empowers us to treasure Christ most in life and more than life, so that Christ is glorified and our joy is magnified, so that joy wins. Paul shows us how the Spirit empowers us. So I just ask, how, Paul? How does the Spirit empower us to treasure Christ? He's already begun showing us in verse 19. Did you see it? Look at it again. Yes, I will rejoice, joy will win, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. I'm, I'm going to treasure Christ in life and death. How Through your prayers, Philippi, how's the Spirit going to empower me to treasure Christ through your prayers? When he says through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, these aren't two different things. That, that conjunction and in English can make this a little confusing, like he's talking about two different things. No, these things are connected. Paul is asking Philippi to pray for the Spirit to empower him to treasure Christ no matter what. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. I need you to pray, Philippi. Pray that I will be empowered, that I will receive the help of the Spirit. Either way, he believes that this is how the power of the Spirit will be provided, through their prayers. It's, I know it doesn't necessarily look that way in the English. It's actually easier to see that connection in the Greek because the, the Greek word for prayers, deseos, and the word for help, epikoregios, they're, they're actually governed by one preposition, dia, and they're connected by a single article, teis. And while you may be saying, oh, that sounds like Greek to me. <laughs> Preachers got jokes. Anyway, while you may be saying, John, that sounds unclear, I promise, and every Greek scholar I read agrees with me, that, that this is what it makes clear. The Spirit's help is the answer to the prayers of God's people. This is how the Spirit empowers us to treasure Christ, most in life and more than life. So Christ is glorified and our joy is magnified. This is how joy wins. Joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through God's that last part of that sentence that kind of makes us struggle or that sounds a little weird to us. We're, we're used to talking about the Spirit's power, the Spirit empowering us to do things, but, but His power being provided through God's people. That sounds weird to us because we tend to think about Spirit empowerment very individualistically. We tend to think about the whole of the Christian life individualistically, but the Spirit's empowerment specifically. And, and here's the deal, like it is true the Spirit dwells in you as an individual, and the Spirit empowers you as an individual, 
But the emphasis of Scripture is that the Spirit dwells in you because you are a part of the dwelling place of God, His people, the church. That's what the end of Ephesians 2 says, that we, we are all being built together as the church into a new kind of temple, a dwelling place for God. The Spirit dwells in you because you're a part of the dwelling place of, of God, His people, the church. And the Spirit empowers you as a part of the church. Just, just go read the end of, of, of Ephesians chapter 2. The Spirit indwells God's people and He works His power through God's people. And that's what Paul is showing us right here. How is Paul going to treasure Christ in life and in death? The Spirit must empower him to do that. And that spirit empowerment will be provided through God's people. Could it be, Shade, could it be that the reason, or at least one of the reasons, we struggle to treasure Christ most in life and more than life, could it be that, that one of the reasons joy doesn't win in us is because we try to do this individualistically? We read, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, this is something I'm supposed to do. I, and I, I can do it. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got my Bible. I don't need anyone else. I don't need the church. I can treasure Christ all on my own. And, and Shades, we read this passage individualistically. We read most of the Bible individualistically, thinking that the Christian life is primarily something we pursue as individuals. Shades, that path's end is not one where joy wins. You go at this thing alone, that's not a path that ends with joy in Jesus winning. That is a path in which you are actually quenching the power of the Spirit that's supposed to work in your life through the church, through the body of Christ. That's, that's the pathway, one of the primary pathways through which the power of the Spirit is provided through God's people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and verse 20 actually warns us not to quench the Spirit. And if you read it in context, it's talking about not quenching the Spirit by rejecting His work in our life through the body of Christ. Don't do that. Don't reject the Spirit's work in your life through the body. That, that's quenching the Spirit. Don't go at this thing alone. You're cutting off one of the primary pathways that the Spirit's power is provided into your life. Shades, in 20 years of ministry, I, I have seen it countless times. People quench the power of the Spirit in their life by cutting off their connection with the church. And it doesn't end with joy winning in them. Please, please hear my heart here, Shades. Like, I'm not saying any of this in order to try and scare you into becoming a member of this church or becoming a member of another church. I'm, I'm not saying all of this to try and drive up our membership numbers. Okay, I'm not about number. I don't even know how many people are in this room. I, I won't let anyone count and tell me how many people are in this room because I, I don't care about that. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care about numbers. I care about you. I care about the Spirit powerfully working in your life through one of the primary pathways that He is 
He's been promised to us through the church. I I care about you. Hebrews 13, 17 tells me that as a pastor, as an elder, I'm going to give an account to God for you. Shades. Don't quench the spirit in your life by cutting yourself off from the body of Christ in whom he dwells, in whom he empowers. According to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, the Spirit's work began in your life by him making you a part of God's people. He baptized you into one body, the body of Christ. That's how his work began in you. And Paul says this is how his work continues in you, through the body of Christ, through God's people. Joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through God's people. How? Like, like let's get nitty-gritty practical. How is the Spirit's power provided through God's people? I think that that what we see Paul highlight right here is, is three different ways this happens. We've actually already seen the first one. Did you see it? It's the first way he highlighted that the Spirit's power is provided through God's people. I hear some of you saying it, you're just not saying it loud enough. Prayer. Prayer. This is number one. The Spirit's power is provided through the prayers of God's people. We're going to end with these three ways that, that Paul highlights for us that the Spirit's power is provided to us through the people of God. We're, we're not at the end right here. Don't hear me. We're just going to end with these three things. So the first one, the Spirit's power is provided through the prayers of God's people. Paul clearly believes that God works his power through our prayers. Our God is a God of means, meaning he he loves to work his power through means, through through things. For instance, God is the one who sustains your life, but how does he do it? He, He does it with food and drink. He satisfies your hunger through the means of food. He quenches your thirst through drink. He doesn't just do this for our spiritual, I mean, for our physical life. He also does this for our, our spiritual life. God is the one who renews your mind, but how does he do it? Through the means of his word. God communes with you. He does so through the table. He, and he works his power through your prayers. Like God could do all of this without any of those things, but he's a God of means. He loves to work his power through things. And Paul says he works his sovereign power through the prayers of his people. God's sovereign power does not eliminate the need for our prayers. A lot of people try and think this way. Like, Jonathan, if God is sovereign and he's got a perfect plan and he's got perfect power to implement it, then what does it matter if I ever pray? God's going to do what he wants to do? That's like saying, Jonathan, God's the one who sustains my life, so what does it matter if I ever eat food or drink? But it matters because those are the means he has ordained for sustaining your life. Prayer matters because it's the means he has ordained to work his power through. Like, like God's sovereign power doesn't eliminate the need for our prayers. It empowers them. God's sovereign power doesn't make our prayers meaningless. It makes them meaningful. Like how else would they be meaningful unless his power was being worked through them? Paul believes that God works his power through our 
prayers. And Paul knows right here in Philippians, we see Paul knows that God has promised to provide the power we need to make it all the way through this life treasuring Christ. He he brought that promise to the forefront earlier in chapter 1, verse 6, when he said, I am sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, who began a good work in you, he opened your eyes to behold the glory of Christ as your treasure, he began that work in you, he'll complete it. Here is a promise of God's sovereign power. He will keep you treasuring Christ most in life and more than life. How's he going to do that, Paul? He's going to work that power through prayer. I know that because of what Paul prays just a few verses later in verses 9 through 11. Paul prays for the Philippians that they will make it all the way to the end treasuring Christ. He said, God has promised to provide this power. How's that power going to get delivered? Through my prayers. I pray for you, Philippi, that you're going to make it to the end, treasuring Christ. And now, in verse 19, Paul asks the Philippians to pray the same thing for him. Pray for me, Philippi, that I will, no matter if I face life or death, that I will be empowered by the Spirit of God to treasure Christ all the way to the end. Paul believes that our God is a God of means. He loves to work his power through things, and he works the power of his sovereign promises through the prayers of the church. Paul believes this, Shades. Do we? Do we believe that the power for us to persevere in treasuring Christ, no matter what comes, life, death, or otherwise, do we believe that the power for us to persevere is provided to us through prayer? We can tell if we believe this. All we got to do is look at how we pray. And Shades, Paul is, the Spirit through Paul in this text has made me look at the way that I pray. And Shades, I, I need to repent and ask for your forgiveness. I repent for not praying for the perseverance of your joy in Jesus like I should. And I'm committing to pray this way. Today, October the 13th, 2019, I am committing to pray this way every day for the rest of my life. Shades, will you pray for me? Paul prays this for the Philippians, and he asks the Philippians to pray it for him. Will you pray this for me, Shades? You pray that I will treasure Christ no matter what comes my way. There's been some, in the news recently, there's been several pastors who are very well-known who have, for one reason or another, walked away from treasuring Christ. Shades, will you pray? Will you pray against that? Will you pray for me that I'll be empowered no matter what I face in life, in death? Will you pray for the Spirit to provide power for me to treasure Christ? Shades, this is the how, the nitty, gritty, practical how of joy winning. This is how joy wins. Joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through the prayers of God's people. And not just prayer. Paul highlights a second way that that the Spirit's power is provided through God's people. Number two, the Spirit's power is provided through the proclamation of God's people. The Spirit's power is provided through the proclamation 
of God's people. Paul's demonstrating that more than he's explicitly saying it. And he demonstrates it all throughout this letter. Over and over throughout this letter, Paul proclaims to Philippi this refrain, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Like he says it in a, in, a, in a ton of different ways, but his message stays the same. Paul proclaims again and again and again that Christ is the greatest treasure in life and in death. And that's what he's proclaiming to the Philippians right here in our text. Quite literally, this is where he says to live as Christ and to die as gain. And when Paul is saying that, he means for the Spirit to use that proclamation to empower the Philippians to proclaim the same thing. He means for the Spirit to use his proclamation of Christ as the greatest treasure, to empower the Philippians to embrace Christ as their greatest treasure in life or in death. I know he means for for this to happen because of verse 22. Look at verse 22. He says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Almost any time in Paul when he talks about fruit or or fruitful labor, he is referring to the Holy Spirit at work in and through him. So he says, if I'm to live like I'm doing right now, Philippi, breathing right now, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means the Holy Spirit working for fruitful labor in me. What is that fruitful labor? If you look down to verse 25, I think it indicates that fruitful labor is the progress of Philippi's joy in Jesus. In other words, sum up what Paul is saying here. Saying, Philippi, as long as I'm still living, I believe that the Holy Spirit will work through my proclamation to bear the fruit of joy in Jesus. As long as I'm still living, I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is doing through all my proclamation. He's going to bear the fruit of, of people who hear their they're going, to have, they're going to have deeper, richer, higher joy in Jesus. This is why Paul does everything that he does. This is why he proclaims in all the ways that he does. This is, this is why Paul writes. This is why he teaches. This is why he preaches. This is why he's saying what he's saying to the Philippians right now. In chapter 1, verses 18 to 26, because he believes that in all his proclamation, the Spirit is at work to bear the fruit of joy in Jesus in those who have ears to hear. Oh, shades, how is the Spirit going to empower you and me to treasure Christ most in life and more than life? The Spirit provides this power through the proclamation of God's people, the church. Through hearing from one another. Again, and again, like Philippi is hearing from Paul again and again that Christ is the greatest treasure. We hear from one another again and again the gospel of the glory of Christ, that he is the greatest treasure and he's mine. Like, I need to hear that from you, Shades. We need to hear it from one another. This is why we do so many of the things that we do. This, this is why we sit under the preaching of the word week after week for the Spirit to work through proclamation to empower us to treasure Christ most in life and and more than life. This this is why I encourage all of you to be a part of a community group. Not because I care about us having big community group numbers so I can brag to all my pastor friends about how involved our people are in community groups. We don't even take role in community groups. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. That's that's not it. I, I encourage you to be a part of a community group 
so that the Spirit's power can be invading your life through the proclamation of your brothers and sisters in Christ. As they, as they point you again and again back to treasuring Jesus. Paul points Philippi again and again. We need to be pointed again and again back to the treasure that Christ is. The Spirit works through that proclamation to actually cause our affections to stir and grow so that Christ becomes our treasure in life and death. We need that, Shades. Every single day, we are being bombarded by proclamation from this world. Those this is what I preached about in my first sermon back from sabbatical called Everybody's Preaching, that, that every day we are bombarded by the proclamation of this world telling us to treasure all sorts of things in life. Money, career, fame, sexual identity, whatever, basically anything but Christ. This world proclaims treasure anything but Christ. Is, is it any wonder that we will have a hard time treasuring Jesus if all I'm hearing is that from the world while simultaneously quenching the power of the Spirit in my life by not hearing Him proclaimed again and again through the body of Christ for the treasure that He is. Just like my kids need to hear truths again and again in order to shape their behavior. Trust me, Shades, they need to hear it again. And again. How many times can you say the same sentence to the same people in a day? Go get ready for bed. It's it's like Chinese water torture. You just have to say it again and again and again. Okay, I'm getting off topic. But it's just like my kids need to hear those truths again and again so that they'll actually shape their behavior. I need to hear the truth of the gospel again and again to shape my heart to treasure Christ, to treasure him most in life, more than life. So no matter what, he will be glorified. My joy will be magnified. Joy will win. Shades, are we proclaiming truth to one another the, the truth to live is christ and to die is gain are we proclaiming that truth to one another are are we putting ourselves in a position to hear this proclamation from one another this is the how shades this is the nitty gritty practical how of joy winning joy wins by treasuring christ in the spirit's power provided through the proclamation of God's people. Prayer, proclamation, we've got one more. Paul goes on to highlight one more way the Spirit's power is provided through God's people, the church. Number three, the Spirit's power is provided through the presence of God's people. The Spirit's power is provided through the presence of of God's people. This is where Paul ends. I told you he, he begins this passage and he ends it with the Spirit empowering us to treasure Christ. That's what we see him do. He started this passage by talking about how the Spirit would work through the, the Philippians to empower his treasuring of Christ, and now he ends with the Spirit working through him to empower the Philippians' treasure of Christ. See it unfold with me in verses 21 to 26. Let's just walk all the way through it. Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Uh, that, that phrase, I cannot tell, literally can be translated, I have no revelation. 
In, in, in other words, I think that Paul is saying God hasn't shown him what the outcome of his imprisonment will be. Life and release or condemnation and execution. I, I don't know. The Lord hasn't told me. Paul says Jesus is going to be glorified either way. Joy is going to win either way. So, so Paul says, let's, let's play pretend right here. Let's act like I could choose life or death. Which, which one will I choose? Verse 23, Paul says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. Why, Paul? It seems like an easy choice to me. Why are you hard-pressed between the two? Because my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Like, like Paul says, departing to be with Christ, that's... That's far better. The Greek for far better is literally much more better. Like, no, for real, that's the Greek. Paul would have made a, a fantastic southerner. Paul says, departing me with Christ, much more better. Paul says, that's in my best interest. But the Philippians' best interest, that would be for him to stay and to keep on helping them find their joy in Jesus. So, Paul says in verse 25, convinced of this, like convinced that me remaining is in your best interest, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul puts the interest of the Philippians above his own interests something that he's actually going to instruct them to do very soon. Just look, look down a little bit. Look, look down to chapter 2 and verse 4. He says to them, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul, Paul's modeling that for him. That's what he's doing. Looking not out for his own interests, he's putting their interest above his own. Where had Paul seen a mindset of love like that before? Just keep reading chapter 2 into verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be, to be seized for his own interest, to use his power, his divine power for his own interest. No, he didn't do that, but he did this, verse 7, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul says Christ laid aside his interest for ours. And he went to the cross to take care of our sin so that we might know full joy forever in him. And Paul is taking his cues from Christ. He's already told us that he does that. If you, if you go back up to chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul's told the Philippians, I care for you, I love you with the affections of Christ, with the love of Christ, the, the, literally the splunkna, the guts of Christ. I love you with the, the guts of, of Jesus. In other words, I take my cues from Jesus who laid aside his own interest for ours. So Paul lays aside his interest, saying, if it were left up to me, Philippi, I would choose to live, even though dying and being with Christ would be 
much more better. I would live and come to you again. And his very presence would point them to the love of Jesus, a love that lays down its own interest, its own life for the joy of another. The Spirit would work through Paul's presence to point Philippi to the love of Christ causing them to treasure Christ all the more. That's explicitly what verse 26 says. It says that because of Paul's coming to them again, because, in other words, he would lay aside his own interest for theirs, because he would come and be a living picture of the love that Jesus has for us, the the treasure that Jesus is, because of his coming to them again, his presence, they would have ample and abounding cause to glory in Christ. Not in Paul, in Christ. They would treasure Christ. The Spirit will work through Paul's presence to point Philippi to joy in Jesus. And the Spirit works His power through your presence, Shades, in the same way, even right now, today. As I I look around this room, I see people that have suffered the loss of a spouse, loss of a parent. I I have sat, some of you in hospital rooms right after you have lost children. I see see those of you who I've had the honor of standing on holy ground and walking alongside you as you battled with cancer and countless other ailments. I see people in here who are silent sufferers. Nobody knows about your enduring pain and grief that goes beyond anything that I can comprehend. And the the list of this hurt and the suffering goes on and on. And all of you have a reason to say with Paul, to depart and be with Christ is far better. And yet you stay. Day after day, week after week, and you show up here and you pray and you worship and you weep and you get on your knees at this table and then you rise to your feet and go into the world taking the peace of Christ. You are weekly, daily laying aside your own interest of departing and being with Christ. You're laying aside your own interest for the interest of the world, their joy in Jesus. You're embodying the very love of Jesus and the Spirit works through your present shades to empower me to treasure Christ. When I see you lay aside your own interest to point me to Jesus, I see the very love of Christ at work. It makes me treasure Christ all the more. Spirit works through your presence to empower me to treasure Christ. I pray he works through me in this way for you, shades. Joy wins. This this is the nitty-gritty how, Shades. The nitty-gritty how of joy winning. Joy wins by treasuring Christ in the Spirit's power provided through the presence of God's people. Shades, let's pray for one another. Let's proclaim Christ to one another. And let's be present with one another. I mean, it really, you know, for, for all of the complex theology in, in, in Paul's tangled sentences here, it, it really is quite simple. Let's pray for one another, proclaim to one another, and be present with one another. 
that the Spirit may provide the power for us to be a people who treasure Christ most in life and more than life, so that no matter what the uncertain future holds, we may be certain that Christ will be glorified and our joy will be magnified. We may be certain that joy 